Be red. Oh, yeah. Is it red? There we go. Is it red? No, we're good. Hey, welcome to the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Gary. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm not bad. What do you want to do today? Uh, I want to not be in the rain. Oh, yeah. And number two, I want to talk about an end game. Is that a movie? Yes. Is that a thing? That's both a movie and a subtle hint towards our last podcast. Okay. commercials all the way through but right they gotta know this is a huge like spoiler alert if you have not seen endgame do not listen to this podcast this whole podcast is going to be a giant spoiler and by the way i had someone come up to me and go so you and gary were talking about endgame and i'm like yeah and they're like what is endgame no Seriously, and if how are that, you, okay, how are you that ignorant? I, I know that culturally, but, but if you that person, if, it's been tw- eleven years if, now. If yeah. that person is listening, my apologies for throwing you for under throwing the bus. you under the bus. Yeah, sorry about go, that. Sorry, no, they listen every. Sorry, mom. Week. Sorry, mom. <laughs> it was not mom. <laughs> Mom's seen Endgame. For goodness' sake. All right, so we have. Uh, you may have heard their voices. We have two experts in Marvel to join us uh, today. Well, I don't know about that. Well, experts, you know. Yeah. I'm going to start with Damon Groon. Hi, Damon. Damon. You want me to like, introduce myself? I want you to tell us how many times you've seen Endgame. I've only seen Endgame once. Okay. Are you qualified to talk here then? Like, See, that's the big question. Although, you know, I have seen a lot of the other movies and I feel like um, I can provide some, you know, info on like... Uh, where Some background end, where stuff. Endgame lies within the MCU. Oh yeah. Uh, where as a, like within the the past of the MCU, the present, the future of the MCU, where it's where sure. it's going. Um, so uh, I think uh, it's going to be a good time talking about this. So, quick question for you: You said you've seen a lot of the movies. Have you seen all of oh. the movies? Uh, I will confess, I haven't seen Captain Marvel, and I haven't mm. seen like the Hulk. I'm I'm okay with that. You can skip the whole. Yeah, if you're gonna not see them, I think those would be the ones. Some at some point, I think one of our mo's is gonna have to be ranking. Oh yeah, like at least trying to rank. Sure, sure. Maybe maybe not all the way through, but like first and last sort of thing. Yeah. Like what's the best? What's the second? And then what's the least? Right now, what do you got? Um, The one he didn't see. I mean. I guess you could say that, but actually, it, I would it say it actually it's, is Incredible Hulk. I'll be honest with it you. It is okay. Um, probably the worst one that I've seen would maybe Thor two. Mm. Yeah, that Thor? was not that was not a Dark world. It's, yeah, yeah. Really? It was not a yeah. huge fan favorite. I feel like yeah. I feel like we shouldn't maybe 
because this is this is about Endgame. Yeah, right? so let's not go yeah. too far down that so, road. Uh, I do want to say one thing. Okay, one thing you can say about one thing. the fact that so uh, actually Brie Larson filmed Endgame before she filmed Captain Marvel. Mm. So are you saying that to give her kind of an out? Like, well, no, no, no. Well, I'm saying it more for me because okay, uh, it, that it just shows that Captain Marvel isn't super integral to right. watching Endgame because. Uh, the character of Captain Marvel hadn't even been completely fleshed out yet in her own right, movie. Right. Um, she does play an important character in Endgame, but the fact that they felt it was a, that um, she could play the character in Endgame without having her own movie to like solidify it. Which speaks something to like the weirdness of her role in that movie, right? Because I think I kept hearing this from so many people like, yeah, she was kind of like not there and kind of absent and stuff, but really it was part of the setup, like because she didn't have her character set up and all that kind of stuff. Who's our second guest? This is my <laughs> ace in the hole here, the ringer. Yeah. This is Tyson Vandenberg, and he knows everything about everything. I know too much about this. Yeah. I've seen Endgame three times now. Boom, you know, boom. Nice. Um, yes, I've seen all of the Marvel movies. Um, ex- I've seen Incredible Hulk once. Yeah. It was like That's all you need five years ago. Yeah. So let's... Just not talk about that one. And just not even have it on the board? Yeah. I feel like, just to do five minutes on it, though, I like Edward Norton. Yeah. Like, I thought he was decent. He was better than the guy from 2003. Well, yeah, that was... Everyone's uh, better than Eric Bana. Eric Bana, (laughs) right? Come on, man. That was a terrible... I didn't even watch that whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces. bad. In fact, don't I remember hearing like you only see Hulk for like two minutes? For, pretty much, yeah. Like the rest of it is just him, yeah. trying to not be Hulk, and then finding his father. Oh, and man. it's like, yeah. what? This is this is not. That's dumb. not anything to do with it. It wasn't right? good. It's not even like one of those movies that's like laughably awful. Because like, if you watch something like. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that's like terrible but kind of fun to watch. Oh, snakes on a plane. Yeah, so like that. The room. But yeah. The room is nice. Yeah. Hi, Mark. Yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, that one's uh, the 2003 Hulk and Incredible Hulk in some areas. It did a little better, but it's just like just kind of boring to watch. Should we have like a buzzer on our phone that anytime I or anybody else starts talking about Incredible Hulk, you just get buzzed and oh, you don't yeah. get to talk anymore? The electric shock. Yeah, you like don't this. get to talk for like two minutes. Yeah. There we go. If you talk about Incredible Hulk, you get buzzed, and then that's it. And then you have like a two-minute timeout, and you don't but, get to talk anymore. But, and I know he's going to buzz me on this, but the problem with the Incredible Hulk is... Oh! <laughs> but the problem is, it's almost not like a Marvel movie. Right, I mean, it's right. almost, almost it, in the same caliber as not an MCU movie, but the only reason I feel like they have to include it is because the cameo by Samuel L. Jackson, it, you know, at the very end. And it's right. just like, if it wasn't for that, it could be a standalone. That's true. Yeah, that's connected. very true. And I'll give Marvel a little bit of credit. They were still, like, trying to find themselves a little right, bit. Right, right. Because that was only their second film. And, like, 
uh, you know, it's sort of like what DC is doing now with like right. the Batman and Superman and all of those. But those other are ter- terrible. They're not good. I can't wait. A little bit we got to spend five minutes on uh, uh, the fact that Edward from Twilight is going to be the new Batman. Uh, are we going to spend five minutes on Endgame? Oh, yeah. Hey, let's get back to Endgame. I'm quitting if he's the new Batman. He's the new Batman. Yeah. He is the new Batman. I'm sure Marvel movies. His only bad experience with a superhero movie is Shark Boy and Lava. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great. No, that's the other guy. That's the wolf. Oh, yeah. The oh, vampire. Right. The vampire is going to be Batman. That's right. Does any of this what? matter? Yeah, okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Back to Endgame. Back to Endgame. So I hear there's a movie called Endgame. There's a movie. First off, let's just start here. This is really hard for me to do. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give Endgame, Tyson? As, uh, depend, like... See, that? yeah, there's so many, like... As, like, a movie itself, or, like, as a part of this vast... You almost have to be able to just give it a number as a movie in itself, otherwise... You can't. I saw a tweet that said, "I if some people are complaining about Endgame, and I just think it's shocking to think that you could read a book, <coughs> but only the twenty third chapter. Like you skipped the first sure. twenty. Like how how many exactly? This was twenty three. Okay, so skip the first twenty two chapters and read the twenty third chapter, and then say, oh, that book sucked.' Right. Yeah. Right. But I would also argue, it still has to be able to stand on its own. And I think that it. I think it does in terms of entertainment value. Right. Maybe lost at some points, but um, just for the pure uh, watchability of it, I think it's very, uh, very um, entertaining. And even if I'd never seen any of the other Marvel movies, I'd still be into it. See, um, because of just the stakes that they set, even within the movie. But oh yeah, they're very the, high. That's the quality. That's how you tell. Can tell it's a quality film. That's what I thought. You know, yeah. when you can skip the rest of the the ethos and right. you just watch it in and of itself, and you still go, I can catch on to this story. Right. I am entertained by it, and it's it has talented acting in it. Right. I think I constantly bring everything back. Ironically enough, you're wearing Star Wars socks today, but I bring everything back to the original trilogy. You should watch the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if all you watch is Empire Strikes Back, you're still going to enjoy Empire Strikes right, Back. Right, because it's just a good movie. It's a good movie. See, I would even go to the point, I'm fleshing this out as I'm going to say it, but I would go down the road of ranking it higher if I was never seeing any of the chapters, any of that, and just sat and watched that movie. Because you're right. Like, how could you not be wowed by the explosions, by the acting? I thought the acting was really good. Me too. So if I just watched that, I'm like, oh, man, that's like a that's a 9 or a 10. Like, it's just a really good movie. Yeah. My struggle is putting it in the chapters. Now, admittedly, some of it is just I hate saying goodbye to some of those characters. Yeah. And I don't love the way that a couple of the characters had to say goodbye. Yeah. Or the way we had to say goodbye to them. So I actually rank it lower when it's in the whole chapter, higher when it's by itself. Yeah. Now, lower in quotation marks, I'm not I would never go below like a eight or a seven at lowest because it was a really good movie. But I think, you know, it depends on even the character arcs within the narrative. So when we talk about, and and here's where we're getting into spoilers, right? But when we talk about, you know, Iron Man, when we talk about Tony Stark, I'm like, that was a fantastically appropriate way Mm -hmm. to end his story arc. And I was super happy with it. However, when we talk about Captain America, I'm like, "Uh, I didn't so much care for that. Yeah, where should we... 
That wow. to me is just like I don't know. Can we talk about Captain America? Well, first yeah. we never gave numbers. Like you never, you never. This was all under the premise of okay. what did you, what do you rank it on a scale of one um, to ten? As a movie alone, I give it about an eight. As an ending to like uh, the whole chapter majority, I, I give it a ten. And, all right. Uh, interesting thing about that, I. I heard somebody say, um, I love Endgame for the same reason that I love the last episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender. That's a mm. that's a show that I've watched a lot. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great show. Not the um, M. Night Shyamalan movie. No, yeah, gosh. Show, right? Let's okay. not Thank talk you. about Shyamalan. Okay. Can we have a Shyamalan <laughs> alarm? <laughs> An incredible. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got it. Oh, oh boy. Um, here. And he said, he said, <laughs> oh, bruh. <laughs> He said, I don't love it because it's the finale. I love it It's be- because it's the finale and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like- right. Nope. All right, Damon. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Endgame is a movie alone. Um, I would give it eight and a half, nine. Uh, as an ending, I'd probably give it, yeah, like nine and a half, ten. Nice. Mm-hmm. I- I'm, I'm, I'm with the on this one. J-Dog? I would say in as as a standalone movie, I'm 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 gonna give it probably a seven. Yeah. But I'm a little bit more critical on movies than those. And as an ending, I would give it probably an eight and a half or a nine, mm-hmm. mainly because the first half of the movie I wasn't a super fan of, but right. how they ended it ended the movie, therefore the series I'd give it a strong nine. I can see that because the setup was yeah. cumbersome a little bit, and then you get into the whole time travel and all exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah. What about you? So, as I mentioned a little bit ago, I think I'm going to flip it around from what you guys are doing. I'm going to say, as a movie on its own, because of the entertainment value, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I'm going to go nine, nine and a half. Mm-hmm. And as an ending to the story, partially just because it was emotional and I didn't want it to happen that way. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight and a half, not very low though. But see, I get you on that, right? Because if if we're if we're looking at the movie as far as saying goodbye, goodbyes are always painful. Right, right. And, and that's supposed to be, right? And like Gary and I have said, you know, when we when we started watching these movies, at least for me, I mean, this ages me a bit, but I was a senior in college, you know, in my last theater show mm-hmm. when the first Iron Man came out. And I remember sitting around with some of my buddies going, Man, are they gonna screw this up? How do they do Iron Man well? And here we are all those years later. So right. for us, it's like, it's a, it, it, it's a whole it's chapter a of our life, right? You know? Yeah, season of and our life. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's the same for you. Yeah. So when you say goodbye, it's like, I remember where I was when this started. And right. here I am all these years later. Do, do, do any of us have like a first time they watched the first Iron Man movie story? Oh, I was at, I, I want to say, I'm not sure if this is my first time, but the time that I remember watching Iron Man uh, the most, I was at uh, like a... I was in like middle school. I think I was. I think it was eighth grade, and we had like a like a lock in um, mm. at my at my school. So we took a. There was a Friday night, and where all the all the junior hires are locked in our, our school, and they were watching Iron Man in the band room. Nice. So that's when I remember watching it. Nice. I can't picture where I was, but I do know. I remember being in a season of not buying very many movies and like trying to kind of limit that or whatever and like rushing out to buy Iron Man because <laughs> yeah. we have the original DVD, nice. not Blu-ray, DVD, not digital. Just I remember being that enthralled by it like we have got to buy this. And I think I remember the thinking of 
Wouldn't it be cool because I could kind of tell, or maybe I found this out later, like there's going to be chapters to this. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to have them all? Right. And so I want to start with this one. Yep. And so, but then I didn't follow through on that because now you would spend mm-hmm. 500 bucks oh, to buy yeah. all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So They're actually doing that. I remember yeah, you showed I showed me, you uh, the picture of um, uh, this big box set, and it's called the Infinity Saga, and it has like yeah. this picture of the Infinity Gauntlet, and it's going to have all 23 of them. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's cool. yeah. But you multiply that by, what, 10 bucks a pop? Right, and, $230. Yeah, but pretty mean, quick. I mean, they sell for $20 each already. Um, first Iron Man still sells for 20 bucks. They don't. What does Incredible Hulk sell for? <laughs> 40 oh! Forty-nine cents yes. over at the Savers. You know, <laughs> awful. I remember the first time I saw Iron Man, and I was actually one of those one of those nerds who waited in line yeah. in Sioux City. Me and a bunch of buddies. Like I said, we were in theater, so after practice one night, we waited in line for the midnight opening. That's awesome. And that was the first was the first Marvel movie I actually saw in theaters. Oh man, I bet that I've was seen awesome. every single one in theaters since then. So. I'm. Bet there's not very many that I haven't seen in the theater. Yeah. I bet I've gone to see most of them, yeah. but I don't know that I'd be able to say exactly yeah. all that kind of stuff. All right, so we started going down this road a little bit, but let's talk about some endings. Yeah, yeah, let's do. So I mean, Captain and, you, America? and you brought about up Captain America, so yes. What film? What do you think? So um, I've read a lot about specifically Captain America and uh, Tony Stark's endings mm-hmm. in uh, in Endgame. Um, I agree that Tony's was for sure the best ending, the way that his character developed throughout the, the entire MCU to this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, starting out as a uh, selfish, um, very... What did they call him? They called him the Merchant of Death, right? In the first yeah, movie. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. He started out as a, a weapons dealer, basically. Right, right. Then, even within that first movie, he's got a great character arc. But he's still, as we can see, he has character slip-ups. You know, Age of Ultron, he literally creates the villain. Right. Um, he sides with the government trying to limit superheroes. Right. He, you know, fights um, Steve about, you know, his parents, how his parents came about, mm-hmm. you know, their demise came about. Um, Tony's character development throughout the series and then even into Endgame and within Endgame even, you know, him being, uh, you know, malnourished on the, sp- on the spaceship and mm-hmm. then going and actually like finally starting a family. Um, Pepper says uh, earlier in the movies that she, her, her hardest, her biggest challenge was trying to get him to, to slow down. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally got that because he failed. Right. Because the Avengers failed in Infinity War, yeah. Pepper finally got Tony. Mm-hmm. She finally got Tony to slow down and start a family. Yeah. So now that Tony was able to slow down because he failed, yeah. um, he was able to finally get what he was missing all those years. And when Steve comes to offer him this opportunity to get back what they lost, mm-hmm. um, he's too scared to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue he kind of does it behind closed doors or whatever like that night we see because he's struggling he's working on it because right that's his character right because he's because the thing is if it would have been if this would have happened before he had his daughter and everything like that if mm-hmm. it happened the day after infinity war i think tony would have done it yeah. right but because um he almost fell back into his old ways of wanting what was good for him mm-hmm. but it was in more of a wholesome way mm-hmm. this time um, but he actually uh, was ultimately redeemed at the end of the movie mm-hmm. um, by the, that sacrifice that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
the thing is, his character is mirrored by by Captain America, because Captain America is the complete opposite. He does everything out of self sacrifice, right, for everybody else. Even yeah. you can see that in the first Captain America movie. You can see that in every movie that he's in since. Right, he's always willing to sacrifice. Um, himself for the greater good for others. Mm -hmm. Lay down and on then, the wire and let the other guy crawl over you. Yeah, because that's even a line in the first Avengers, yes. right? You're not the guy to do this. Right. Captain America's saying that to Tony Stark. And then Tony, him being the opposite, he's just like, I think I would just cut the wire. Right. He's always got a quick wit but, or whatever. But I, I get what you're saying because it's almost it's it's almost a, that paradox, right? Where Tony ends starts out effectively selfish and he ends up with being the ultimate self-sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, you know, Steve Rogers, he starts out with the self-sacrifice of everything and his last choice in the movie is to go, okay, finally I'm gonna do something for me. Yeah. Right. And you I know? think that's well deserved. I, I think it's I, I think it's, it's very earned, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a soldier yeah. earning his pension. I agree. Right. Absolutely. Right. But the problem I have with it is I'm a comic purist. Right? Uh, and one as, I'm one of those guys. Uh, and as a comic purist, I'm like, you know the super soldier serum makes your aging slower, right? And so to go back in time, effectively, he shouldn't have aged to 100 and some odd years old. He still should be like 45. Right. And so I'm looking at it from a comic perspective going... I disagree with that. Now, that's not saying it's bad on the movie's end, but I'm still like, they, I just... Uh, they definitely take some liberties, they, not only through the aging process, yeah. but through the time travel process even, totally. right? Yeah. So I feel like you almost have to turn a blind eye to some of that. Yeah. Like they're asking us to turn a blind eye to some of that and yeah. not but, think too deeply about it. Yeah. By the way, um, the whole thing about time travel in that movie... It's it's malarkey. Yeah, like, yeah. I think basically, um, uh, you can basically take all of the things that worked out with the time travel, and like basically they're just saying, why did it work out? Reasons. Yeah, just just, like just because. Like, right, right. Yeah. And they ask us to trust that <laughs> they have it figured or something. And and so, uh, I just got a question. Are you serious? So and like, um. You, like you believe the time travel worked out just because I think actually what's going to happen now is the Avengers think that the time travel all worked out, no. but even the fact that they were there, they changed things, you know, mm -hmm. people, okay. in, people in that alternate universe think that Captain America is with Hydra. Mm -hmm. Um, right. You know, and Loki got away and Loki got away with the, well, yeah, with the Tesseract, with the Tesseract. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that the effect, the 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 effects of Endgame are going to be felt in the future of the MCU, which is mm. where I'd like to go with this conversation. But that's just a little. Mm -hmm. little mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it's going to bring in the next villain. Mm -hmm. the villain. This, this is the other one of the other issues I have with the with the ending of the movie. This is why I rate it nine instead of full ten. Is they've effectively started the quote unquote multiverse theory, right? Just like the comics. Right. But the question I have for the fandom. It's the same with the comics. How many universes can you expect your audience to get invested in and still follow throughout the story? That's a really good point. So what you have is in the comics, you have, you know, Earth 616. That's your That's, main, yeah. you know, your main storyline. But then you also have, you know, Spider-Man 2099. Mm -hmm. You also have the Ultimate series. You have all this stuff. 
And so what I'm worried about is with this series, now that we have Loki in a timeline over here and Captain America over here and then the main timeline, are we going to be branching out to such an extent that we burn out the audience and they go, I can't follow where we're at in the narrative anymore? That's a really good point because I feel like we've invested ourselves, just going back to where we were when Iron Man started, Yeah, we've invested ourselves in these characters. Sure. And so now to be told, well, there's a whole other universe where Captain America is saying Hail Hydra. Right. Yeah, but I've invested myself in this guy who always does the right thing and exactly. is always moralistic. And it, You're asking it, it a lot of me to forget that, that. that. They are doing that in the latest... Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, like, mm-hmm. there is now a multiverse. Like, there are right. you know, different realities with different people. Right. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what worries me, is you start branching out. Effectively, you branch out your core audience. And right. So then you have some people over here, some people over here. So, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but for the core fans, how do you get them to follow four or five different times? That's a really good point. I think that the main... So, you brought up Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, the reason that they're showing multiverse is to show how it affects the world that we care about. Mm. The multiverse is to serve the storyline of this specific universe that we have invested in. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's showing the effects of, okay, now that we know about the multiple universes that exist, the like countless you know realities that there are, mm-hmm. how does it affect this one that we care about? Mm. And to answer the thing about how are we going to, I don't think they're going to make movies about these other ones. I hope not. Because money. Right. You know, right. It's, it's, right. Easy, it's right. easy to make a comic because it, Sure. Doesn't it cost like not that much money to make a comic and, and print it? You know, you can have the multiverse sure. in the Marvel comics. But right. It's, it's, right. Easy, it's right. easy to make a comic because it sure. doesn't it cost like not that much money to make a comic and, and print it. You know, you can have the multiverse sure. in the Marvel comics because it just doesn't cost that much money. Right. You're, but you're it exactly, costs way more money. You're exactly money. right. But uh, you got to remember, Marvel's owned by Disney, and Disney has already done that with another property they own, Star Wars. Right. right. They've made a whole bunch they of made a whole bunch of stuff, right. and they right. try and tie them into the canon. But all of a sudden, you're getting stuff like Solo, which bombed at the box office mm-hmm. for I, a whole bunch of reasons. But one of which is you're effectively taking a timeline skew that no one really cares about or wants to know. Right. You know. I think. Uh, yeah, I think Solo taught Disney an interesting, uh, a good lesson. I hope so. Right. so mm-hmm. They're gonna because they've already canceled more Star Wars movies. Absolutely, and they mm-hmm. should. And I think and that that's gonna teach them how to treat the MCU. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. I think one of the lessons that they should learn from this is that there's a difference between doing like spin-offs and alternate things with books and doing it with film. Mm-hmm. And like you can change things from books to film to make it a better film. That's just how that's just sometimes how it works. But like if you try to like add like all these different things and like you have to make a film for each and every one of these things, first of all, again, money, also time and effort and just yeah. A lot of things that have to go into it. The more the more films you make that branch out the narrative, the more you're expecting for your audience to buy into that new narrative. Right. And whenever you do that, you effectively fragment your fan base unintentionally, mm-hmm. which I think is the main thing the MCU has done well is keep their fan base on one clear trajectory. That's why you can do 23 films exactly. and have them work. Yep. They're each individual right. they're connected toward an end goal. Right. If you fracture that end goal, then effectively you fracture the fan base. Yeah, I agree with you because we were watching 
So we watched uh, half of Civil War last night. Yeah. Uh, not just in preparation, but just because I would sit and watch that one because anytime. It's, it's a really it's a good one. Deal. I think that would rank on one of my higher ones yeah, if I was to rank them. But all that being said, part of my struggle when watching that was, wait a minute, did they like forget the fact that they that Steve and Tony especially were fighting that hard and mm-hmm. the relationship was kind of iffy and all that kind of stuff. But then I caught myself and I'm like, no, actually they kind of touched on that in Endgame too. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that, hey, we're not always going to get along, but we're coming together for this one purpose. Even at that first scene where Tony really lets Captain America have it, yeah. there's still some fragmented relationship there. And that being the point, they didn't forget. Like, right. they did such a they, good job yeah, of they, all of the stuff that was before. That now is not the time. Right, right. The time to deal with Thanos. So you're not starting over every movie. You're exactly. building on top of each movie. And I think they did that really, really well. I agree. But how do you do that if you have this many... That's my worry. Yeah. I, that's my worry. I mean, honestly, I get what you're saying. You know, hopefully it taught him a lesson. Uh-huh. The only, I think only time will tell. Yeah, yeah only time will tell. But I promise right. you, I don't want to be following you know, episode two hundred and fifty. I don't want to be following a Spider-Man movie. You know, with the new Spider-Man movie, and then five years later, oh, it, it's an alternate universe. So Spider-Man is now Miles Morales, right? And I got no problem with that in the comics, but in mm-hmm. a movie, now I'm following two Spider-Mans. Because mm-hmm. where there's been a couple of examples of, I would almost call it lazy writing. Uh, maybe you guys won't remember this, but I don't think. I ever watched it, but I remember hearing the ending of Dallas. Yeah. You remember it that? Dream. It was all a dream. Yep. And then the same thing with Lost kind of did that too, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, it was just an uh, alternate dream or something like that. purgatory. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't like it when at the end of the whole thing, it's just wiped away. Like, oh, yeah, no big deal. It just happened. When a saga pushes the reset button, it makes the saga pointless. Right. And so yeah. part of my worry then not to overplay this, but did we waste our last 11 years or whatever it was? Right. Because now it's going to be rendered useless because there's a different reality and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. As opposed to this was it. Like, just end it. It makes the journey pointless. Right. Right. And I I think what you said is really interesting, uh, you know, as far as it was a mistake, right? That, that, or excuse me, that that Tony effectively lost, Mm -hmm. you know? And that, and that, well, how did you even put it? I can't remember. So, well, uh, the whole thing was, you know, Tony had to keep going so that he wouldn't fail. And then when he did fail, they gave him the opportunity to slow down and create a family. Failure. And that's, and I think that's interesting because this is what I really like about Endgame is that you could even ask the question, well, was it a failure? Especially Mm. considering Doctor Strange, who I view as the linchpin of all the things in the last two movies. Because remember, he even said, well, we saw 14 million, but there's only one way to win. Mm-hmm. And so it could be argued, well, this path needed to happen. And I think that's their intention. Mm-hmm. This trajectory needed to happen so that Tony could get to that spot. So in that way, is it really a failure, especially when Dr. Strange holds up his one finger and goes, this is the one way? Wow. Yeah. Is it really a failure if this was always the intention of the way that they could win? So there had to be... So many well, a sacrifice. He, he had to sacrifice. He had to sacrifice. Right. You know, if I, uh, you know, I'm gonna talk about philosophy now. No, it's um, 
there's this, I mean, I don't know how, if you guys like, you know, like theodicies, you know, mm-hmm. about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, soul-making theodicy mm-hmm. is about how we need to fail in order to bring about a better uh, future, a better care, like mm-hmm. our own character, better, you know, better those around us. Um, so, you know, in Doctor Strange's eyes, it had to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to, it had to be like that. But just because it had to be like that in order to turn out all right, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it wasn't painful along the way. It wasn't feel failure because we right. saw the beginning of Endgame when Captain America is meeting with those guys in in New York City. You mm-hmm. see like the pain. You see all the different characters are dealing with this pain in different ways and they feel it because they feel that they failed. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something to be said and not to jump too far ahead, but somewhere down the road, we were going to talk about theology and how this ties into what we believe as, as far as Christianity and that kind of stuff. But there's something to be said for, you don't know how bright the bright can be mm-hmm. until you've seen how dark the dark is. Right. And so the failure, the pain is what makes the success so rejoiceful Mm -hmm. and so exciting and so we couldn't have been excited about yeah everybody won and everything's good until we saw how far down tony stark had to be and how far but that's that's one of the ultimate like you said philosophical and theological interests of this movie and this series is it really failure if the ultimate success depends on one's perception of failing? Mm, mm-hmm, you know, yep. because then is it really a failure or right. is it a success? Because realistically, their perception of them failing is. Because, I thought you know? I thought it was incredible that Pepper said something along the lines of "Now you finally get to sleep, right? So you can rest now. You can rest yeah. now." That. That itself made it a success for Tony Stark because yep. realistically, he was so scarred and so jaded and so overwhelmed with all of the junk that he had seen and done that really death was his only redemption. Yep. There was only one way for him to truly rest yep. to be done. Yeah, yep. you're absolutely right. So... It sounds like we're agreeing that Tony Stark had to go. Yes, right. yeah. I but I think this was all under the Captain America ending. So, so. I think, I think um, so. I, I, more what I'm referring to when you know, I say failure is the be- at the beginning of that game. You know, they. All, I think all the Avengers agree that they failed. Captain America says, mm-hmm. or he says, "What if we fail?" Then their perception of the failure. Right, right, right. Yeah. So basically, Captain America wants in Infinity War wants them to be united. Right. They got united. They fought Thanos and they lost. Mm-hmm. They yeah. failed. He said, "If we do that, we'll fail together too." Mm-hmm. Um, they all agree they failed at the beginning of Endgame. Yeah. Then there's the sliver of hope, and then it turns out, and and then they win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think the failure turns into, you know, what seemed like it was all hope was lost suddenly was restored. Yeah, because there was this tiny little bit, this tiny little Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I agree, like, by the end of the movie, what seemed to be failure was actually uh, victory. Yeah. Right. Um, But but at the beginning, you know, we're still in the tomb. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. For sure. Hey, nice. Uh, Yeah. Way to to drop a little hint there. Uh It's, it's, I think it's very interesting that the filmmakers throughout all this this saga not only have they switched tony stark's mo not only have they switched um have they switched uh, captain america's mo but they switched everyone's mo really I think, yeah i mm-hmm. think specifically 
of Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, she's an assassin the first time we meet her, and pretty soon she's with, you know, with, with Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. And she's going, I need to sacrifice. Right, mm -hmm. right. And I'm like, wow, that was a, that was a really cool moment. That's a big I arc mean, for her. Uh, my arc. favorite um, moment with Black Widow in Endgame is... Uh, sort of like after they show the five years later when she's talking with like Rocket and Captain Marvel and uh, Rhodey and all those guys with Hologram. Um, and they're talking about like what crimes are happening in this world. Like Rhodey talks about like some sort of gang shot some people up down in Mexico and like this face that she makes is so powerful because she's realized that uh, half of everything that has existed is now gone, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the world is still bad. Right, like, just, right. Yeah, That's yeah. really well said, because I think we actually saw it at the first Avengers, too. She said something like, I'm Russian, I don't get affected by that, right? So her whole persona is... I kind of don't care. Like I'm able to be separated from pain, mm -hmm. able to be separated from assassinating somebody or whatever. Yeah. Like this, no empathy, all that kind of stuff. Right. All the way to in that scene, you see her be affected by it. Yeah. You see her be affected by loss. And, and, to, and to such an extent that not only is she affected by the loss for the first time on screen, we actually get to see her openly cry. Right. You right. Know? And mm -hmm. you're just like, wow, that's that's a huge character. Arc. Right. What, six or seven movies that she was in. Right. And then to effectively be an assassin with no empathy to uh, sacrifice yourself for another, mm -hmm. you know? Right. I mean, that's... That was an interesting little back and forth, wasn't it? Between her and, her and Clint. I mean, by the way, random tangent, as you, if you've listened to the podcast, we do this. When did Hawkeye get awesome? Yeah, that was... I really Whoa. liked his character. He got baller. He, like, yeah. I know, it, it started in, like, Age of Ultron. It's just, like, they're giving him a little bit more of a story. And then all of a sudden, they bring, they yeah. bring out, like, him, like, just, like, in Japan, like, just right, yeah, right. taking down gang. Like, because there was a whole... The shield agents. So. Well, yeah. yeah like, right. Dude, right. Mean, you know, I mean, he's sitting there just slaughtering guys. And I'm like, this guy is hardcore. There was a whole, like, kind of looking yeah. for revenge kind of thing, right? Yeah. Because his family was gone and all that kind of stuff. Yep. What I didn't appreciate was the quick flip back. Like, all of a sudden, he's willing to sacrifice himself again. Like, he got selfish really quick. Yeah. And um, when they got the Soul Stone, that was actually the second time he uh, tried to sacrifice himself, I think. Because mm -hmm. um, the first time was when they were testing out the time machine. It's just like, that's oh, true. Like, right. who, who's going to do it? And it's just like, I'll do it. And like, right. he volunteers right away. And I right. do think that that is because he lost his family. I yeah, because he kind of felt like he had nothing like to lose. Right. Like, so he really doesn't care what happened. You know, he's right. fine. Right. You know, he's going to go kill all the gangsters or whatever. He doesn't care if he lives or dies. Though. Right, right, right. All that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I saw a little bit of Deadpool, I think. Totally. Like, that kind of attitude. Like yep. just whatever, I don't yeah. care. Who is basically my favorite Marvel? I know that. That's why I wanted to throw that out there for a little him. bit. Yeah, yeah. he is fun. But the idea being like he had nothing to lose and he was ready to just say whatever. Yeah. All right. So we've done. We've dealt with Captain America's loss. Um, a little bit of Tony Stark, unless there was uh, unfinished stuff that we didn't talk about there. Well, I mean, 
I, I think that's a really good analogy. Right. You know, obviously, like you said, in, in the tomb, effectively. That's a really good it's, one. It's mm-hmm. a, that's a really good analogy towards self-sacrifice. Oh, totally. Especially right. as we're, we, we're sitting in a church building. Right. right. I mean, right. we can make clear analogies towards... Of course, he oh, yeah. has to die in order to save everyone. Right, right. Totally. It, it had to happen. And also the idea, like, uh, to go Easter on it, how quickly we want to sprint from Friday to Sunday. Right. Yeah. And how necessary it is to have Friday night, Saturday all day, mm-hmm. Saturday all night, yeah. and then finally experience the rejoicing yeah. of the rising of Christ, knowing you have to exist in that darkness to experience the light. Yeah. So that's some of where Tony mm-hmm. had to go through and that so, jump. You know, this isn't super pertinent, but I think, it, you know, you got the Infinity Gauntlet. You've got Thanos, you know, if we want to, he represents the devil. Mm-hmm. And he holds the Infinity Gauntlet. And mm. then suddenly Tony holds it. Hmm. And it's almost like, you know, he holds the keys to death and Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, the... The Infinity Gauntlet represents death, you know, right. um, and when Thanos holds it, you know, it, it represents death for all these characters, and then suddenly Iron Man has it in its life. Mm. Um, That's pretty good. Um, and you should have brought your Infinity Gauntlet with. I should have. I should have. I thought that's what you were going to go get when you said, I got to go get something to say. He actually has um, an Infinity Gauntlet. And, like, even still relating to that, um, how uh, Thanos' new plan after um, after he comes back in Endgame is just like, all right, now I'm not even going to wipe out half of, now I'm going to wipe out the entire world and make mm-hmm. a new one. Mm-hmm. He's, like, born out of blood. They'll never know about it. Right, right. right. And so his multiplication of the plan Mm -hmm. is fairly clear to the devil would never have been satisfied with just a little bit. He wanted all of it. Wanting more all of the time was a clear reason to do what he did, right? He wasn't satisfied. He wants to be God. Right, right. How about this route? How about Thor? I couldn't stand what they did with Thor. That was... I hated what they did. It was polarizing. See, it was polarizing, wasn't it? It was a bold move. It was a very bold move. It was a very bold move. I hated what they did with Thor. All right, so tell us why. Oh, man. They... Comic purist. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good one. Okay, set you up. Once you're done, I'm going to talk because I actually do have some stuff about it. Oh, man. No, you may go ahead. I'm... All right, so tell us why you loved it then. Okay. Um, you, you need to calm down. Do you need yeah. a couple minutes? <laughs> All right. So the thing that I really liked about it is, is that you have to keep in mind that um, uh, Thor at this point has lost his mother, mm-hmm. his girlfriend, his brother, half of his entire kingdom, mm-hmm. and and he failed at defeating Thanos. Right. And I think throughout all of these Marvel movies, that's sort of taking effect because, like, I remember uh, I watched a video of these guys reviewing Ragnarok, and mm-hmm. it's like, why is Thor so much funnier? And it's because um, he's sort of covering up. Yeah. This depression and sadness with, some with humor, comedy, right. and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and like, and and now in Endgame, like after 
all of this stuff has happened. Now he's like just letting the sadness hit him. Mm-hmm. Now he's like letting it hit him hard. Like he's getting fat. He's drinking a lot. And mm-hmm. He's um, eating a lot. He's like, yelling Fortnite. at he's yelling at high schoolers on the, or middle schoolers over yep. the over Fortnite. Yeah, I, mean, I, didn't I, I can I see that, and I can see. So I remember reading. Um, somebody being offended like oh they're making fun of post-traumatic stress uh like oh making jokes about thor and all that kind of stuff but i actually think that's one of the ways that some people deal with that they kind cover of it up with comedy i'm gonna cover it up yeah Show people up. that no i'm fine Don't right 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 it's even to cover it up to themselves you know not to feel it exactly you know if thor would let down that that facade of you know oh I'm I'm fine I'm a funny guy you know oh ha, mm-hmm. I play Fortnite right uh, I think he would feel it he would feel it really and what he's trying to do is just avoid it right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and one of the things we're called to do is to do the authenticity and one of the things Living Water of course is trying to do hey this is what you're really feeling this is what I'm really going through mm-hmm. be honest with that kind of stuff right and I feel like there was a I remember. Was it the first, was it Infinity War, where Thor and uh, Rocket were kind of together? And he said something along the lines, like he was starting to tear up, and he said something along the lines of, what else do I have to lose? Mm -hmm. Because I've lost all of this stuff. And I feel like that was kind of a, a precursor to what we saw in Endgame, the fact that he is going to let himself go because... He lost everything. So actually, you could almost hold up Hawkeye and Thor. They both lost everything. And they just took different routes. And they took different routes on it, right? I think that's every character. But now Jesse continues to yeah, shake his head. Yeah, he's shaking his head. You might talk. Launch, launch off, man. Big, you're all wrong. It's the <laughs> biggest joke in the MCU. It can't stand it for one reason. Is it still recording? Yeah. Okay, because we're going to give me about three minutes. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Because it is the big, it's not only anti to what the comics stand for, it's anti to what the character stands for. Remember, Ah, Remember, the entire point of the first Thor movie was him trying to get the hammer and proving that he was worthy to hold it. Right. That was the whole point. I am worthy to be this small G guy. Right, right, right. I am worthy of that. You have this story arc all the way through, you know, I mean, the second Thor movie, Dark Lord, was not great. Right, right, right. But then you have Ragnarok, which is one of my top three. I love uh-huh. Thor Ragnarok. I love, I love it. So it's much. one of my favorites. Hey, we're going to tap that. Mm-hmm. You, you like Ragnarok? Yeah, Ragnarok. Ragnarok? Okay, fair. One of my favorites. So if we're going to rank it by what we wanted to buy, yeah. like we wanted to buy, I bought Civil War right away. I bought Iron Man right away. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok is the next one I'm buying. It's, it is definitely my top three. It's probably in my top two, in all honesty. But so, you go through Thor Ragnarok, right? And the message of Thor Ragnarok is, look, I've lost my hammer. And, of course, yeah, what's uh, that rock character's name? It's on blank. Oh, oh he's fun. Yeah. And that guy is so what he says is, yeah, it sounds like it really sounds like it really really different relationship with this happening. You know? <laughs> I, like, I love that. Like, losing in his sort of The hammer rode you? But, <laughs> but what, what drives me absolutely nuts is in Thor Ragnarok, he loses his hammer, but he even says, yeah, I lost my hammer. But guess what? Hulk, 
I'm going to break this window and I'm going to go do stuff because that's what heroes do. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Remember yep. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thor's whole point is to be worthy of the hammer, to right. be worthy of being a small G god, regardless of the situation. He is still Thor. He has moments of self-doubt, but you know what? He's still worthy to do this. Mm. And then we get to Avengers Endgame. And Thor is not worthy to do anything. Because it's all out the window. Because it's all out the window. Right. We have completely done away with all the movies worth of character. Mm-hmm. We've, mm-hmm. Done, we've done away with it. Because it's not even like we morally can say he's worthy. He's a fat guy sitting there in Norway, drinking beer, mm-hmm. yelling at teenagers. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. You'd say, no, this is fact. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. You can, more, from a moral standpoint, you even go, that guy's not worthy to do anything, you much uh, less yeah, be a small G god. Right. So we've thrown away not only his character arc, we've also thrown away the entirety of his comic history, which right. is basically, regardless of what he is, Thor is still He's Thor. still Thor. He's still right. the god of thunder. Right. It's just a travesty. Anyway, go Tyson. Go Tyson. You can make the argument, though, that they didn't show he was worthy. Like, they never showed him, like, pick up the hammer until he, like, has this crying out, just laying it out, talk with his mother back on Asgard back in 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, and then he reaches for the hammer and he, get, and he gets and he says, I'm still worthy. And it's just like, and it actually amazes him that like, even he thinks it's just like, not even I should be worthy of this. But like, after like, he lets go of like the loss of everything he has and like, he's and like, now he wants to move on. Then the hammer decides that he's worthy. Here's a perfect example of why think that scene is absolutely a joke. Who in Avengers Endgame holds the hammer? There's two guys. And Captain America. And And I'm sorry. In the final battle, when you're looking at Thor and Captain America, who is worthy to hold the hammer? Captain America by a mile. Does Thor even compare in worthiness to Captain America? Hmm. Not at all. It's a joke. So I'm... <laughs> Do you mind if go? So I, I, I mean, I respect where you're coming from. Like, I can see, I can see where you're coming from there. Um, I think that again, to bring it back to that, you have to have the dark to have the light. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of Infinity War, like, I think more than anything, we see Thor fail. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's the one that plants the axe in Thanos's chest, mm-hmm. and there's still the snap. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the thing that I, oh, never mind. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Thor is the one that I think Thor is maybe the character that most clearly fails at the end of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And because he feels that that failure so strongly, and he feels the loss of um, all the previous movies, and then he feels the loss of the snap. Totally. And, and how he feels responsible for it. Right. Totally. I think that warrants the length that his character, like the depths that his character went to. I can see that. You're absolutely right. But in doing so, Thor effectively became not Thor. And a not Thor is not worthy to hold the hammer. Right. In either the MCU or the comics. So would it have worked better for you if he just doesn't wield the hammer flat out? It would have worked better for me if he would not have wielded the hammer and, okay, yeah, you can have Stormbreaker, fine, whatever. Right. But it would have worked better for me if, yes, okay, Captain America has the hammer, which, by the way, where did that hammer end up at the end of Avengers? And he took it with him. Yeah, but where did it end up once he came back in time? Anyway. Hmm. So that's what I'm wondering. He left it. He doesn't have any Starbucks somewhere. He doesn't have 
have to worry about so, it being stolen. Oh, yeah. Again, a sidetrack. It's sitting on his counter, like in his living room. Once he sells the house, the landlord's like, I can't get it. Yeah, you know? yeah the old owner left it. Right. It's kind of like that up to the office where Jim tries to move the clown painting. Right, exactly. It's like, it's like oh. it's a load-bearing painting. You know? But puts out the janitor is Stanley. And right. It's like, exactly. Oh, but but the, 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 whole, the whole thing for me was it would have been so much better if, yeah, he didn't hold the hammer, but the entire next movie was him trying to get it back. Mm -hmm. Because in this movie, they didn't show it right. trying to get him worthy again. Right. I mean, I, I have a problem with him not being worthy anyway, but right. I would have bought it if they would have went through a redemption process. What was the redemption process in this? A four-minute conversation with your mom. Right. That's all it took, really, after all this depravity and all the depths he goes into, like you said. Yeah. All it took was a four-minute conversation. I didn't buy it. I, I didn't buy it. I like what you had said about the depths of him because especially that whole scene where he had the lightning in his eyes mm -hmm. in Infinity War and all that kind of stuff, it felt like he was one of the few that had the power to defeat Thanos. And so his failure, yeah. yeah. So his failure was probably the harshest of, I would argue, the big three, right? So you have him, Iron Man, and Captain America. Yep. Which, side note, also the fact that those three were taking on Thanos by themselves for a while, like that was that was a that big was, deal, that right? That was pretty cool. I mean, uh, I'll grant that. That was a big deal. But I agree with you also, like, we should have had more of a redemption story. But what I was kind of thinking was, how cool would it have been? And maybe this was a, a chance for a message. It wasn't your body mm -hmm. that made you worthy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't how nice your hair was. It wasn't any superficial stuff. How strong you were. It was your heart. And I think you're right. It's His not heart physically strong. You were. Right. It's how right. It's all the stuff inside that made you possible to wield this hammer. Right. But he even lost that inside exactly. stuff. Like the fact that he about. gave up hope. The fact that yep. And he does. He's never been the most super positive fellow in the history. Remember, right. not Captain America. Right. Right. At the exact same time. He always had something in him that was. I can still do this. There was. Right. There was hope. And once hopelessness is gone, you go. What makes what makes him worthy to wield the hammer? Wield the right, hammer? right. I. That's, that's a very point. good question. And if I don't know, then how can I buy into the character and what they did? That's a really good question. Yeah. It also makes me go to. Maybe we uh, we're already at fifty minutes. Yeah. So at some point we got to be done here. Yeah, I've got to go pretty quick. So how about this? If you can. Favorite moment is that fair? Yeah, because you said one there that I just like. We stood up and cheered mm -hmm. when Captain America Captain, had the hammer. Yeah. Like, oh man, I don't think I've ever been that excited in in a in a quick moment. Like, it was just the whole thing. I also like how they built it up. Just like they show it's rising and yes. struggling, and it's like you think it's going to him, but no, it goes past. Oh. Oh, man, that was incredible. I loved that moment. That moment was one of the highest ones, I think. What else you got? Any um, Anything that I stood a, out? I mean, obviously, great moment. When I when I saw it, I was like, I knew it! I was, I, the theater was actually pretty empty when I went to it, um, but I was 
I, I was like watching it happen and when he caught it i was like i knew it yeah, yeah. Uh, i just yelled it um and then i think thor did that too yeah. <laughs> he says he says i knew it didn't he say that or about time or something you know, like that or remember in, in previous in Ultron, you know in Ultron, he had a bunch of in america right. just a little right, 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 but, right. Yeah. Um, what, what, the real question is, what made him worthy between then and now? It was, now, or was he worthy the whole time? Yeah, and he was. Didn't want to shatter him. He didn't I, want to. I heard he actually, could have picked it up, but I've he didn't. Actually, it was because he was hot. He knew how Tony's parents died, but he was keeping the secret to himself. Uh, That's uh, the secret. I think also Infinity War directors and and game directors was it the Russo brothers? Yeah, they, yeah. the Russo. Yeah. They actually said that was that was the reason. Oh, okay. Um, okay. That's a good reason. Uh, I can accept that. So another one of my favorite moments, uh, two other ones. So the one where uh, it's Captain America facing the armies of Thanos alone. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then all the portals open. That was yeah. cool. And then right. it says, yeah. Avengers, assemble. Yep. Yep. Um, that because cool. that's the first time in all of MCU yes. that, that has been said. Agreed. It's been yes. sometimes. Yep. But that was the first time it was ever said. It's amazing. In fact, there was one that it ended Right, Avengers like, was and it ended. Yeah, think, which one I was that? So. Um, that was Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. uh, Tony took off, mm-hmm. and they were kind of left with the new Avengers, so to speak. It was Falcon, uh, and Wanda, Rhodey and- Vision, and Rhodey, I think. And so Black Widow was standing next to him, and he said, "Avengers and."